everybody and welcome back to another episode of BBP News. I am Chris Baker. Nick is starting his weekend early. Lucky him, but don't worry, he got me and boy do we have lots of news to get into. But before we jump into the news, let's look at some of the weather going on across the country. In Los Angeles, California, it is raining 63 with rain continuing throughout the weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is cloudy 77 degrees with clouds throughout the weekend. Chicago, Illinois, more clouds 52 with clouds throughout the weekend. And in New York City, mostly sunny 49 with rain throughout the weekend. Not the greatest weather. You know, not the greatest weather. (laughs) Where's the sun? I want the sun. You know, I'm very right down the middle. I either want the sun and 85 degrees or I want it to be snowing. There's no in between. I don't want the cloudy, dark depressingness, um, but that's just me. Uh, We do have lots of news to get into with the final three weeks of Congress's session. There's a lot going on, so we're just going to jump right into it. Um... The House and Senate are back in Washington, D.C. this week for the lame duck session. That's actually what it's called. But what does it mean? And more importantly, what is on the agenda? There are some big items on the must-do list and the wish list you should know about. First, what is the lame duck session? You may not realize it, but even though Republicans won control of the House in the midterms, that control doesn't take effect until January of 2023. That means Democrats and Speaker Pelosi actually still have control of the House until the end of 2022. So they call this awkward three weeks between now and the Christmas holiday break the lame duck session. Traditionally, the party in power tries to jam through lots of legislation because if a bill isn't passed by the end of the year, that bill has to start the legislative process all over again next year or it dies. And there are lots of bills that are still hanging out there that need approval from either the House or the Senate or even both. Uh, Bills like the one to codify same-sex marriage, rights into federal law. We do have more on that in a minute. The bill to make changes to the Electoral Count Act to make it harder for Congress to challenge or change election results. The bill that deals with daylight savings times and, of course, the bill to codify abortion rights into federal law. Plus, Congress has some jobs that must be done by the end of the year, including funding the federal government so it doesn't shut down in a few weeks, passing the National Defense Authorization Act to fund our military, and Democrats are hoping to raise the debt ceiling this year so they don't have to risk a fight with Republicans when it comes due early next year. We are one huge step closer, though, to having same-sex marriage and interracial marriage rights codified into federal law. The Respect for Marriage Act just passed the U.S. Senate. The final vote was 61 to 36, all Democrats and independents voting yes, plus 12 Republicans. If you're curious who those 12 Republicans are, they are listed down in the show notes below. And this bill now goes to the House where it is expected to pass easily and will then be signed into law by President Biden. The Respect for Marriage Act does several things, including guaranteeing federal recognition of any marriage between two individuals if the union was valid in the state where it was performed. 
It could also require states to accept the legitimacy of a valid marriage performed elsewhere, but not require any state to issue a marriage license to its own laws that may have different laws from another state. If approved, individuals or groups would not be legally required to provide services for a wedding ceremony or celebration if against their religious beliefs. And senators who were absent from today's vote was Warnock, Sass, and Toomey. In President Biden's first post-election meeting with top congressional leaders from both parties, in remarks, President Biden said it was a tough decision, but he believes they need to hit the brakes on a rail strike. Not an easy call, but I think we have to do it. The a, risk. a strike could come as early as next Friday, costing the economy $2 billion a day. During that strike, 750,000 workers could lose their jobs among the many supply chain interruptions, shipments of oil, fuel, grain, lumber, and Christmas presents. Gas station owners say if the rail strike was to happen, it would be hard to keep gas in stock. A tentative deal between the rail union was made with the Biden administration in late September, but in recent weeks, four unions voted no on the deal, saying that they are not getting enough paid leave. President Biden said he was forced to call on Congress to stop the strike and that has made many union leaders mad um, with the traditional union supporter. The current deal is a 24% raise over five years and an additional paid day off. The current deal went in front of the House on Wednesday. We must avoid a strike. uh, Jobs will be lost. Even union jobs will be lost. Water will not be safe. Product will not be going to market. The final vote was 290 to 137. And the House also passed an amendment that would give workers seven days of paid leave. By law, Congress can block rail strikes and have done it 18 other times. But Senator Sanders has vowed to block the deal unless he gets seven days of paid leave for the rail unions. A federal jury convicted Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes and a top deputy of seditious conspiracy for leading a months-long plot to unleash political violence to prevent the inauguration of President Biden. Forming in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, the jury of seven men and five women deliberated for three days before finding Rhodes and lead Florida Oath Keeper Kelly Meggs guilty conspiracy to oppose by force the lawful transition of presidential power. But three other associates were not convicted of the historically rare and politically charged sedition count. All five were convicted of obstructing Congress as it met to confirm the results of the 2020 election. Both offenses are punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Rhodes and his co-defendants were the first accused of seditious conspiracy and the first to face trial and be convicted of any conspiracy charge to date in the massive January 6th investigation. The Department of Justice hailed this result as a victory after seven weeks of testimony. Legal experts have said there is no way after this jury's decision anyone can say January 6th was a peaceful protest that got out of hand. It was obviously a planned, organized, violent assault on the lawful authority of the U.S. government. There are about 20 additional cases pending against other January 6th riot suspects on serious conspiracy charges. 
Getting into a midterm update, Georgia residents are turning out in droves to vote in the special election to select the next senator of the Peach State. Even though Democrats will retain control of the Senate regardless of the outcome, early voter turnout has been strong and money being spent to get voters to the polls has once again been eye-popping. As we reported this runoff election between incumbent Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock and Trump-backed Republican challenger Herschel Walker is happening because neither candidate received more than 50% plus one of the vote during the midterm elections. By law, that forces the race into a runoff on December 6th, so four days away. But early voting is already well underway. Democrats have already reclaimed majority control of the Senate after winning a GOP-held seat in Pennsylvania. But a Warnock win could give them 51 seats and an advantage on committees with no need for a power-sharing arrangement with Republicans. Political ads have been overriding the airwaves and newspapers with Democrat and Republican PACs spending nearly $60 million in this runoff, and it's still not over. Keep an eye out. There are going to be a few heavy hitters from the Democrat side and Republicans that are going to be showing up in Georgia in the final days of this runoff election. Former President Barack Obama is expected to go back to Georgia to campaign for Warnock before Election Day. And former President Donald Trump says he will hold a remote rally for Warnock by phone. Hey guys, Nick here, just jumping in to make a quick correction here. Uh, If you heard this, uh, Chris accidentally said that former President Donald Trump would be rallying, holding a rally for uh, Raphael Warnock. However, the actual candidate that former President Trump will be holding a rally for will be the Republican challenger and the Trump-backed candidate, Herschel Walker. At the end of the day on Wednesday, there was over 1 million early votes already casted. There are still some races to be called before the midterm elections are finally called. Of course, there is still the Georgia runoff that is taking place next week that I just told you about on Tuesday, December 6th. Then there are still two House races to be called, California District 13, which we did deem a toss-up throughout election night, and Colorado 3rd District still has not been called. We will, of course, still continue that and let you know the final outcomes of the House races. So, with a header in a sweep of a foot, defeating Iran and sending them home, the bad news Christian Polsak was sent to the hospital with an abdominal injury, but posted on Instagram he would be ready for the next game on Saturday, tomorrow. And President Biden congratulated them shortly after the win during a speech. The game did not escape politics with the anti-regime and some Iran residents that went to the games were all dressed up in U.S. colors, red, white, and blue, supporting the United States instead of their home country. Instead, some people held up signs and some people got rowdy in the stands, causing political issues, which security did take care of. And the United States does play the Netherlands on Saturday. And of course, Nick will have a lot more details on how the World Cup is going on his eye on the ball episode on Tuesday, but the general consensus over here in the United States is yay to the United States, you know, they're kicking butt, and even if you're not a big person that watches soccer, everybody's been watching the World Cup, and United States, you know, keep going, you gotta win this for us. 
Getting into rapid news, a man who pleaded guilty to punching an Asian woman over 100 times during a hate crime attack earlier this year was sentenced to 17 and a half years in state prison. And DoorDash is eliminating about 1,200 corporate jobs or about 6% of its workforce saying it hired too many people when delivery demand surged during the COVID-19 pandemic. That is the end of this Friday morning news episode. We will be back here tomorrow morning with Nick's good news of the month because it is the first weekend of December, believe it or not. And then, of course, Sunday, we will be back here with what to expect for the week of December 4th and Monday morning with another news episode. But until then, have a great start to your weekend, everybody. Bye.